It's Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal in the Bernabeu! That's a shaman! Giroud plays it in the middle! Ahead again! And Ramsey arriving! And Arsenal are back in front! Scores in the FA Cup final again! Just as he did! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arsenal podcast. It's been... Uh... Let's let's call it a good week. You know, we've we've uh, we've stopped the rot of uh, of Chelsea. You know, they've been dominating the London and the Premier League teams. Um, they've been on their run and Tuchel. It's been the comparisons to Arteta. You know, did we get the right manager at the right time? Should we get Arteta because they sat Lampard? All this sort of stuff. And then they go and they lose to Arsenal after an unbelievable performance from us uh, at the Bridge, and then they lose to Leicester by the same score. So things are looking. You know what? We have to take the little things in life. And uh, I really feel like it's just time to celebrate the small things. And hey, we've had a bad season, but at least we get to watch them burn. Although they do have a Champions League in place, but oh well. But um, here to uh, to join us for the day, which is all very exciting, we've got Met from AFC Met and possibly the best named Arsenal podcast that I've ever come across. And can you believe it? <laughs> How you doing, Met? Yeah, yeah, good, thanks. Um, it's been a really good week for Arsenal, hasn't it? So, but uh, I mean, ending Chelsea's sort of flow that they've been on is always fantastic. So, and to to do it in the way that we've done it at Stamford Bridge was such a, a really good thing. And then obviously for the Leicester game yesterday and VAR and everything going on with that, it's, it's just been a beautiful week for us. Oh, I know. It was, uh, no, I just wanted to like, Oh, I just wanted to like, I don't know, lick the tears off of Tuchel's face when the 93rd minute and it was Ben Chilwell, he scored the goal and they were celebrating. There's just rounds and rounds and rounds of just beautiful videos of Chelsea fans celebrating for probably a good 60 to 90 seconds before they realise. And, um, you know, I mean, I don't want to, you know, be, be too over enthusiastic, but uh, because they might well win the Champions League yet. But uh, it, imagine if, all you know, all this hype comes about of Tuchel for the last, is it Tuchel or Tuchel? I'm not sure, but Tuchel. <laughs> but uh, if this all this hype comes about, and, you know, I think, because there has been a lot of comparisons, and, and almost rightly so, with where they're saying Tuchel's come in, where they've sacked Lampard. He wasn't doing so well, but a lot of people thought that he would have, you know, been given a bit longer. Um, and then, you know, to, to lose to Arsenal and then, you know, be knocked out of the of the FA Cup was was nice all in one week. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you you, you couldn't ask for a, for for a better week for for us. Obviously, we we have our own thing going on, but to see Chelsea, because obviously a, a lot of the pundits and a lot of the fans have been saying, well, Chelsea have done the the right thing by sacking their manager because this is what Chelsea do. They they sack their manager and they go on the run and win things. But it, it's funny how there's a potential that they may not finish in the top four. There's a potential that they may lose a Champions League final and they've obviously lost the FA Cup. So, yes, they sapped Lampard, but when you think about it, was it worth it? Because they have incredible talent in their squad, but was it worth it when they finished the season with the same amount of trophies that they started with, basically? Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm sure we can go into this far more detail in a bit, but it, it does feel like, you know... <laughs> If they were going to get any experienced manager at Chelsea, they spent 250 million quid last summer. They've got an unbelievable set of squad players, you know, and I mean that as it kind of, they felt like a load of individual players for the last, you know, 12 months and ever since that transfer window, I guess. But he has made come in and, and, and really made them look pretty good, which made Wednesday night feel all the better, to be honest, because it just, it really felt like we were coming up against it. And I mean, we'll get into it, I, I suppose, in a bit, but it really did feel like um, it was something we needed after a very, very disappointing, you know, Thursday night the previous. So it was, uh, yeah, I think we, it's just what we needed. Um, and I'm quite, I'm quite pleased and I'm quite proud of the players to have come back and done that because it would have, it could have been very, very easy for them to, to kind of implode and do the opposite and stop giving, you know, and give up a bit, stop playing for Mikel or, or whoever it may be, maybe just themselves and, maybe get themselves to transfer or there's a lot of ways in which you could see from afar that a loss like that could, could do to a player's, um, you know, mental state. And uh, no, I, I was, in, I was impressed with them. So, um, well, so should we, should we go through the game? Should we, yeah, should let's, we do it. let's do it. So 
usually at this stage we we uh read out three word summaries from you guys so and and, and nothing's going to change when we do that so <laughs> um secret agent Jorginho from tanya fozard tanya, tanya fozard's had quite a few we've read out she's usually very good um Someone called Zizou's brother said Brexit football. I'm not really sure what that means, but also he's separated foot and ball, which I'm not too <laughs> not too on board with. Alex Bannister says uh, attack versus defence. Uh, Vlada says part of the bus. There's a lot of one of those. And someone at Louise Faith says double over Chelsea. So, um, Matt, how did you... Uh, we start at the beginning then. Let's, let's, so, firstly, the, the lineup. What did you what did you think about the lineup? So I was a bit I'm gonna be honest, I don't like three at the back it, it, as a formation. So when I saw it being deployed here, I was a bit nervous because I think it it goes back to what we were playing in November, that really poor stuff where we were 15th in the league and couldn't get more than two shots on target again. It it did worry me when I saw that lineup. I guess the the difference was that maybe Gabriel was actually at left centre back rather than Tierney, and we actually had two creators in the side in Odegaard and Smith Rowe rather than what we had been playing before, which was Willian and Aubameyang on the wings behind Lacazette, which wasn't really working by the end of the start of that season, basically. The lineup I, I I thought was was pretty good. Uh, I didn't expect Saka to be at right wing back. It was definitely a surprise to me, but I, th- I think it made sense with the way that we wanted to approach the game. And I was a bit surprised that El Nenny started, but I guess because Xhaka's injured, that it was it was the only choice we could do. I, I don't really want to see Danny Ceballos uh, playing again just because he's obviously on loan for Real Madrid and there's no point really us developing him anymore when he's not staying at the club next season. But the lineup I, 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 I thought was interesting because it was a back three. We obviously thought oh, we, we can match Chelsea because they were playing a black back three as well. So I, 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 I was a bit concerned, but... I, I thought it was quite intri- interesting and intriguing. Yeah, I, I, I had the same feeling, to be honest. Like, there was, and, and I'm glad I was wrong, but I, I, I definitely felt that Mikel maybe had been scared off by the last few weeks and maybe he just felt like the players needed a different problem to solve. Maybe he felt that if we go back to this defensive, and it is a very defensive lineup with the back three, even though Saka and Tierney are sort of, are more attacking players and Tierney found himself far more advanced than a lot of the other players a lot of the time, which, which is great. And um, so, uh, yeah, no, it, it did scare me. I thought it screamed, it screamed to me initially that he was a bit scared, but you're so right. When we used to play the the two wide players, uh, let's let's call it Pepe and Aubameyang at the time. And then even in Ketia, I think it was going through November and, you know, most of December um, or perhaps Lacazette, but it was, it was extremely stale and nothing was going through the middle. But with the two players outside of Aubameyang who were spearheading it, being Odegaard and Smith Rowe, the creative players were happy to go inside or, you know, happy to go wide as well. That it, it, it did feel different. And let's not, you know, let's not beat about the bush. We didn't really have that much of the ball. So it's quite a, a, a small sample size to, to, to really understand how good that formation could be going forward. And there's only two games left. So, um, but I think we learned a lot from from November. I think, given what the formation was going to be, it was quite obvious what we we're going to do from the start. And uh, I think uh, I do actually have the stats somewhere, but it was that was right. So we had thirty two percent possession, um, and we had five shots to their nineteen. So it was clear what our job was, and I and I was fine with it. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think that was kind of the, the the tactic from the outset, and and it and I think it it kind of worked. Um, I, I think it. I think it works because I think when you're playing on the counter like we had, I think the the key was trying to get up the pitch as quick as possible. We were also pressing quite high as well. So I think the the topic of discussion about pressing with Arsenal is that we don't do it enough and we don't press high enough. But I thought we were quite intelligent with our pressing on Wednesday. And I think it was just, I mean, we'll talk about the goal later, but I think it was just a quite an intelligent way we set up. And 
another thing that helped us when we were going forward, as much as we didn't have the ball and it was a really backs-to-the-wall sort of performance, was that when Smith-Rowe and Odegaard got the ball, they were allowed to turn into space and run with the ball. And I think that helped a lot because it at least allowed us to stop having pressure onto our goal because we there were moments in the game where we did have a lot of pressure at our goal and it just seemed like we couldn't get out. But Smith-Rowe and Odegaard were especially key to getting us out because they were just allowed to turn and run at Chelsea's defence, which allowed us to get some respite. Yeah, for sure. And I think Party had a few times as well where he was quite instrumental in that and just kind of turning out from defence. The when he does it really well, it's it's amazing. There was a few times that he scared me, but uh, I think he, he needed a good game as well. And I'm glad he had a very good game. But um, yeah, I think all in all, it was pretty good. And it, it did get me wondering, I mean, w- would I have wanted to see that perhaps in a few more games recently? And I, I actually don't think I would have deployed that sort of uh, formation in any other games. Let's call it again, you know, in the, in the Europa League or anything like that, because I do think we did know to, it did need to go for it. And having that four at the back gives us that extra person, you know, in the middle in theory. So um, I, I, there were a few scary moments. So, um, oh, sorry. I was actually, that's what I was going to say. Was um, I, The one thing you mentioned there about the press, uh, I think it was really well put and I haven't really sort of been, I've been thinking about why the press hasn't been working. I, I, I think probably over the last six or seven games as well. And, and you're so right. Cause it didn't seem like it was a lack of effort from the previous sets, call it five, six games. Um, it really did feel like it was just really poorly applied and it wasn't necessarily the most intelligent pressing. And it seemed particularly, um, you know, in the last couple of Europa Leams games where we went out, it, it, it felt like it, we were so easy to get through in midfield. Um, and I, and even against West Brom, to be honest, at once or twice, it just felt like they were one or two passes away from beating the press. And that was it. Suddenly, Ceballos isn't quick enough to catch anybody if you know when they're turning away from him and running through and suddenly every, they would just seem to be our back four over and over um so I think maybe you know changing that formation was because of that and we needed to just you know get back to basics and uh against Chelsea team uh, was was needed um but there was one moment where they did go through uh Havertz's miss oh my god thank god <laughs> yeah, we 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 got really lucky. It, it sort of reminded me of the Martinelli ch- goal that he scored at Stamford Bridge last season, where he goes for on goal, and uh, I, I I was convinced it was in, but somehow he manages to spoon it over the bar. It, it, I think Mary got out of jail a bit. I think he did get a poor pass in in the build up mm. before, but he had a poor touch, which allowed Havertz to go for on goal, but. I mean, any any player that does that and gets through on goal, you're expecting them to score. And for him to hit over the bar was so costly because they, that was their biggest chance of the game. If 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 we look at the the rest of the game, like that that was their clear cut chance. And for him to just hit over the bar so badly, it's just it, it was obviously lucky for us, but it's quite it's quite bad from him. Yeah, I, I I did think at that moment. Firstly, on that moment, I thought, oh, here we go again. You know, you play a solid defensive <laughs> game. I think we had a chance or two. And then suddenly, that's it, pass it back. Here we go. We've done this so many times this season and he missed. And I think me, I thought at that point, maybe this, maybe we are going to win today because that doesn't usually happen. <laughs> usually that really does go against us. And it's always a Marie or a, even Gabriel's had his moments this season. But um, no, it was, it was a big miss. And I think that gave us something. And I think, to be fair, it, w- it would be... It would be unfair on Chelsea, which I'm usually more than happy to be, um, <laughs> if if you know to say we weren't lucky in the game because uh, I think they did they did have their chances. Whilst we defended really well, we were very good last ditch last ditch tackling the blocks. Uh, Leno had a good game, um, but um, they had their chances. Uh, but then so did we because obviously later on, <laughs> Jorginho, you little wonder. What, what loved it? I mean, it, it's a sensational back pass when you when you see it. Like uh, you, you'd wonder if he was playing for Arsenal at that point because it was just such a a, a bad pass. It was blind. He doesn't look where he's going, it, and it's going in. But obviously, Kepper saves it, which is obviously intriguing because obviously it's a back pass at that point. So obviously, it's it beneficial to us because. It, for the referee not to give the back pass at that point because it would have been an indirect free kick. I don't think Kepa would have been sent off. So 
it was lucky for us because it, it was just rewards and uh, credit Aubameyang because it, it could have been very easy for him once Kepa saved it for him to have a shot but he was really unselfish and passed it to Smith Rowe who obviously scuffs the, the shot but I mean it goes in so who cares really and yeah it, it, we, it, it was a funny goal but I think Apart from the Havertz miss, I think I think we had played well to that point and we had defended quite well. So I thought yeah. it was quite well deserved, even if the Havertz goal should have gone in. But we, mm. I thought we obviously took our chance and they didn't. So that that's exactly what we needed, and it, it doesn't happen in the, in this fixture, especially a lot. So like, I mean, we we're so used to going to Stamford Bridge having loads of chances or just and just missing them and then them coming up the other end of the scoring so for us to do it to them give them something of their own medicine is 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 really nice yeah that was really nice and we're so we're so used to to be honest the season of those defensive errors being against us and um as in you know uh it's it happening to ourselves almost but so to Georgie to do that really it felt good. Like say, so yeah, I think Aubameyang generally had a really good game, and I think his decision making was really good. Obviously, with thirty two percent possession, he's you know, he hasn't got a lot to work with. But um, yeah, no, uh, turned it, turned past, and also from scuffs it. You know, easy as you like. That was always going in. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's a really interesting uh, conversation that about what you said when they passed it back and he saved it because it didn't really occur to me at the time that obviously that is that's that's a foul. But um, I was listening to the um, to the ask cast and they were talking about the fact that had that been given as a free kick so there, i thought the referee did really well actually not to give it because and he let it go on to see what would happen and but that wouldn't have been a penalty that would no. have been which is crazy when you think about it and maybe that's just i mean it's extremely rare like right that's how many times have you ever seen that you know probably yeah. about as often have you seen allison score a last minute header <laughs> <laughs> against palace today Is it palace no we're playing uh, palace Who we're, they play? west west brom west brom west brom that's it um so you know how many times do you, do you see uh a ref you know sorry a, a goalkeeper doing that i mean very rarely but it does feel like a slight weird hole in the law because you know you feel like if, if that happens and then you get what a free kick in the six yard box then Obviously, they've got 11 people they can stick behind the ball and you're not going to score from that. We well, might do, but it probably is going to take a... It, it's extremely yeah. rare when, to get those free kicks and it's extremely rare that you see them scored. I, I think it's quite difficult to score them because you basically have to put it perfectly in, in a top corner above the players because there's so many people on the line. But mm. it does seem a bit of a loophole because it basically suggests that if you do a back pass, you're going to only get an indirect free kick rather than a penalty. And I think the punishment for that is not as severe as, especially for the one that Kepa did. If, if the referee did give an indirect free kick, I mean, he's just stopped a goal. So he's not getting sent off. We're not getting a clear chance because that should have been a goal because Kepa saved it. He's basically breaking the rules. So it should be awarded a penalty at that point because that's the highest percentage of scoring chance that we're going to get. But luckily, the referee didn't give it because I, I don't know if he just got lucky or if he was actually very patient and just thought, I'll, I'll see where this is going. But mm. it obviously benefited us in the end. How do you think uh, How do you think the 2006 Champions League final had gone if, if they'd applied the same logic? <laughs> if they'd have let, I can't oh. remember who scored, but when when Lehman obviously took him down and if they'd, if they'd have not sent him off and not given the free kick and they just let him score, play the advantage instead. I, I wonder. I, I, I wonder. I, I, I think we win that game, but I don't really yeah. want to go on about it because it still breaks my heart to this day. Oh, that was the worst day of my life. Oh God, it was. <laughs> uh, it was so much, so much hope. But um, God, that feels like a long time ago now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're not in. So far, we, we our best might well be the European Conference League, but we'll get to that in a bit. God, that sounds depressing. But anyway, um, I suppose with the match itself, um, before we get onto general performances, I think. The only other scare really uh, was the double um, the double crossbar incident at the very end when Giroud then hits the crossbar and after Leno's unbelievable save actually I, th I think that was the same movement but um, yeah didn't get away with didn't get away with murder there but I, I think they had their chance but I think we did enough um, generally to keep them out. Yeah, I've, I I think we did. We we defended well better in the second half I think than the first half. I think the first half Chelsea did have a few decent chances I think Mount had a couple which were quite decent and I think they were getting down our line 
very easily compared to the second half. I think the second half we were much better and Chelsea, I think, were a bit more tired than us. And but apart from that Zuma chance, I think I think that was that was the only one. I mean, it's an incredible save by Leno. I've seen some people saying it's a save he should be making, but I mean, when I saw it looping over him, I thought it was in. So for him to make that save was incredible. And for once, Giroud missing a chance actually benefits us rather than gives us <laughs> pain and suffering. So because I, I when, when Giroud came on, because I don't think he's been appearing much for Chelsea, I was convinced he was going to come on and score because, I mean, every player that, used to play for Arsenal that comes and plays against Arsenal, scores against us. So I was convinced that he was going to come on and score, but he misses that chance. And I, if I was a Chelsea fan, I, I would be fuming that he missed that chance because I, I know it's quite difficult on the volley, but I mean, it's it's literally right there, he's right in front of the goal. So for him to miss is, is quite extraordinary. But I think when he missed at that point, you knew that it was going to go our way that night. Mm. Yeah, the, the Giroud always scares me. I mean, well, firstly, any player that's coming on uh, and playing against us, I always think it's going to score. It happened to Theo Walcott this season. And, <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, I did think. But that, that, I always think with Giroud, I mean, I think he was a great player, but he wasn't probably quite, he wasn't good enough. Maybe a good squad player. And we all know how many misses that he, he used to come up with. But he always seems to score the more difficult ones. And even when he did score the easy ones, it seemed like he made it in the most difficult possible way, or it would look better because it would all be right in the top corner or, you know, like yesterday, had he volleyed it a little bit more cleverly or less emphatically or less kind of like, I don't know, he, he just like at the goal rather than trying to get it right in the top corner. Um, you know, maybe he would have done better. And I think like even the times where he scored this, like when he was called for Arsenal and various things, it would always be like, hitting the roof of the net when it really didn't need to, you know, one of those. And, um, yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, I th- I, when I always think of Giroud, I always think of the goal against Villa. So I, I don't know if you remember, it's, it's the Urzu assist where he does it with the back heel and then Giroud is basically running through on goal and he, oh, he's yeah. obviously got, he, he's got no one in front of him and he still manages to, to have a mess up during the bit. He gets the, uh, the ball stuck under his foot. And yeah. he still he still yeah. scores, but I mean it's just the most Giroud goal ever. Because any other striker, like if Aubameyang's through on goal like that, or Lacazette, I mean actually not Lacazette because he missed that Sissadini against Slavia, yeah. I think earlier on. But no, if he, if, he, if it was Aubameyang, like he goes through on goal, and you're pretty confident he's going to score. But Giroud, he he still messes up in that instant. Yeah, he just doesn't seem to. He seems to hit it cleanly when you don't expect him to, and he doesn't hit it clean when you do expect him to. I remember that goal now. You say because it was that unbelievable little flick, and it goes over, and he's got he's he's literally got the whole half, and yeah. he just hits it too far, and he gets a little bit close to keeper and manages to dink it in the end. But yeah, no, I I remember that goal now that you've spoken. Yeah, it's um, he, he just like gets out of his feet, and none of you said that. I'm trying to think back, and I don't think he ever did. He ever score like just a solid one on one. I mean, I know that was technically one, but you know what I mean? I, I can't really remember any... I, I don't. I mean, he's not that type of striker anyway. No, he's but not. I, yeah. I, 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 I don't think, apart from that Villa goal, I don't think I can remember him ever scoring a one-on-one like that. I, I, I mean, I've even remembered like Ozil scoring one-on-ones like that mm. or or Ramsey or Cazorla and Wilshere, but I, I don't remember Giroud ever doing it. No, he's a very slow, very slow man. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's kind of the game. I especially I, I did want to just mention a couple of things, and um, because they have been uh, spoken about quite a bit. So I've got a couple of things. Let's say, you know, I guess in thirty seconds between us, you know, I thought Leno was really good and he needed it, um, and he had a bit of a dip. Uh, you know, he he is a great keeper who's had a, an up and down season, but I do think that he he can be very underrated. Um, what did you think? Yeah, I think I think Leno had a really good game. He he was probably one of our two best players on the night. I I, I think he the save he produces for for the Zuma chance was was incredible. And but I I, I think that that's obviously the highlight of it, of his saves. But he done some really good saves as well. I think Chilwell put in a few good crosses, but he he was there to save it when there was tap-ins. Or I think there was a there was a chance for Havertz if he commits more to the near post, but. Leno is there and he cleans up very well. And I think, I think compared to previous Arsenal goalkeepers, I feel confident with Leno. I know he can do errors and we've seen him 
take a dip in form this season, but I feel more assured with Leno in goal. And I, I don't think I, I felt that with any other keeper in, since Lehman, basically. I, I know Chesney was pretty good for us, but he was always capable of producing some stupid error yeah but, but Leno I, I credit him because again he he is someone that did take a bit of a dip and with us going out to Villarreal it could have been very easily for him to just like not really care as much but the performance he produced against Chelsea was was really good and that's encouraging because when we're going to the summer that we, we're going to you want those players who want to commit and want to be there I, I know there have been reports that Leno doesn't want to be there, but he he certainly didn't show that on the pitch. No, I think he's he is one of those players I can't imagine he'd ever throw his toys out the pram. He seems like a very good professional. Um, but the flip side of that is I, I I kind of think that he demands a lot of himself. And I don't think there would be too many teams coming in for him. I know there's rumors about Borussia Dortmund and yeah. whether he'd want to go, but I, I think he, he has high standards for himself. And I think if a Champions League came club came along, I think he'd he'd go. And um I, I would be upset about it more, less because I'd be losing Leno, but more because we made a decision to stick with him and let Martinez go. And by the way, I'd always let Martinez go. I really liked him and maybe he was a better keeper that season. You know, that's debatable, but hey, 25 million comes in for a second rate keeper, second, you know, you, you're backup keeper. You're not going to not sell him and we needed the money at the time, but uh, I won't go into that. I'm sure we've done that to the end of the uh, end of the hills, but um, what about, so there's two things I thought would be worth bringing up. So the first one, uh, do you think there was anything to read from Aubameyang's reaction when he got subbed? I, I saw a lot of this on, on social media about Aubameyang going off and the way he, he reacted. And I think he was just a bit gutted because he had basically ran himself into the ground for the team, like everyone else had. And for him to come off with no goal and potential because Chelsea would have come out more and Aubameyang would have had more space to run into. So I mm. understand why, but I guess it's always difficult because I think people read too much into players getting subbed and when they look a bit angry and a bit upset. I mean, Alexis used to look like that a lot of the time when he got subbed off, but it. I think a lot of people, just because of the season that we, we've had and the question marks about Arteta, I think they're looking more into it than there actually is. So I, I didn't see much into it. I just saw a player who had worked his socks off for 70, 80 minutes and was gutted that he was coming off for Lacazette when there was space in behind because Chelsea had to go for a goal. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, I completely agree. I, I think I actually loved it. I, I want my striker to be yeah. gutted if they don't score. And look, when he did have the chance to score, he gave it to a Smith throw because he was in a better position, right? So yeah. he's not an unselfish striker, but he wants the best for himself and he's disappointed when he can't, you know, can't deliver it or doesn't deliver it, you know, and, and he's had an up and down season and, you know, he probably was just desperate to be part of that score sheet. And and that's great. I, I want all my strikers to be like that. I don't want them to be happy not scoring. You want them to be, you know, you know, yeah, chomping at the bit to, 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 to get goals. And I think, yeah. um, by and large, when, like, you know, Bamiyang's been playing through the middle, he's, he, he tends to have been. And I think he put his hell of a shift in. I think taking off 80 minutes was probably fair because of, you know, malaria and whatnot recently. But, um, yeah, and I think he seems to uh, very unfairly have... And maybe look, Twitter isn't the best parameter for parameter for you know, like seeing uh, reasonable opinions from reasonable people. However, I have kind of seen he, he tends to have quite low stock in the Arsenal Twitter camp at the moment, or maybe it's not just Twitter, but you hear it quite a lot. And I, I really think it's unjustified. And um, you know, a lot of the times where he wasn't performing, it was when everybody wasn't performing. He was getting starved of anything, which was actually the formation we played yesterday. Um, but he was starved for a different reason. We played a defensive game when it was a win and we came out winning. And yeah, I think it's unfair. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure he's a one or two performances away from, from being in high stock again, I'm sure. I, I, yeah, I, 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 I don't understand the the low stock for Aubameyang, really. I mean, he he's pretty much been our consistent performer since joining Arsenal in 2018 when uh, Alexis left and Mkhitaryan came in. He, he's pretty much been 
the consistent performer for us. And this isn't an Arsenal side that's in the top four or challenging for league titles. This is an Arsenal side that's unfortunately in ninth place. And he's been pretty much the consistent performer. I know he's taken a dip this season after his contract and people will read into that. But I truly believe that his dip was mainly because of the formation, like you said. It was mainly because of where he was being deployed and us not getting the best out of him. I think since Boxing Day, and I know everyone hates Arsenal fans going on about since Boxing Day sort of thing, it's 38 games in a season, I get that. But, But since Boxing Day, when he has been played up front, he's looked pretty good and he's got a lot of goals and I think he's looked better this season. And I think if you saw a whole season with him as your number nine, with creators behind him, I think you would get 20 plus goals from him. I think he's on 15 this season, so which is quite poor. But I think most of those goals are after Christmas. So it just shows what could have been if we actually did play him up front. Because uh, I don't think you sign him to a new contract to play him on the left wing. He's a penalty box striker. He's not going to get many touches in a game. You just got to surround him with good quality creative players behind him to get him the chances because he will score them. I completely agree. And I, and I think the, I, I, I do find myself when, cause I'm a big preacher of since boxing day. Right. And yeah, look, I've, I've seen Man United fans do it before and in the Tottenham fans when it was a calendar year. And I, I completely get that it's a 38 game season and you know, all of that stuff. But the only reason I find it significant for Arsenal is because like it was such a clear difference in approach. Yeah. So it was like, it was, it was so black and white and it was so stark. It wasn't like, oh, we just started playing well. Oh, that's a shame we hit four or, you know, whatever. It was a real clear change. And it's like, he fixed something, he found something that had worked. And it was like, all right, if we could apply that for the rest of the season, we'd be in a much better position. And I do believe that. And you kind of, there's a few players who obviously weren't playing well during that time, but it was, they were kind of victims of a sort of a, uh, the system didn't work and I really think that changed and like you say I, I think Arsenal will have been most dangerous and best this season when they have those three creators in behind Aubameyang and that would be uh, you know Saka, Odegaard and Emil Smith-Rowe on the left and, um, and and they look so dangerous and so it, it does give you hope going into next season you know and, and it feels like maybe he's found something and you know let's see let's see um Okay, so before we get Dick of the Day and Man of the Match, I just wanted to mention Hector Bellerin, actually, because, you know, what a clearance. Um, yeah. He, I think, I think he's injured. And it feels to me uh, like he's kind of coming to the end of his Arsenal career. And that might well have been his last touch when he died. <laughs> he stretched out and, you know, it looked like his, his knee buckled underneath him or something like that and ended up, you know, having to go off. And that's something, actually, by the way, I found quite funny. We Not that he went off, but the fact that I was laughing about the fact that we had three right backs on the bench and had no right backs on the pitch and ended up having to use all of them. <laughs> um, Arteta knew what he was doing. He knew, he knew, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, shout out to him because I kind of feel like he had a relatively good game, but I just, I don't know about you, but I, I've said this a few times, I just think in a really sad way because I love the guy, you know, he's he's asking for him through and he got him when he was so young and he's been here for so long and he he has been amazing, but yeah, since the injury, I think it's just sad facts. He just hasn't looked athletic enough or, or good enough. And and yeah, I don't know yeah, about you. Yeah, I I I I really like Bellerin. I, I think as a as a person, I I I I think there's no one really better than him. The, the values he stands up for is exactly what I want from a player representing the club I support. And as a player, he has taken a bit of a dip over the last year since the injury. I, I don't think he's been helped by the way our right-backs are supposed to play as well. I think a lot of them are supposed to be tucked in as almost a, a third midfielder. And yeah. I don't think that suits him as much as an overlapping fullback. But then again, he I don't think he has as much pace as before as an overlapping fullback. So I, I think it it probably is his last touch. I think we will see him go in the summer. And that's really sad because we don't have many players left at Arsenal who have been here as long as he has. I mean, Ozil left in January and Mm. he was our last one from the 2014 FA Cup 
winning squad if you don't count Arteta and Matsaka, the last player that was here. And mm. Bellerin, I mean, he's been here pretty much just as long as Ozil was, and it's it's been a really good journey. And you always want to see players you're connected with because I think it's been difficult over these last few years because we've had so much change it's hard to get connected to some players and everyone obviously connects with the, the younger players because obviously they're so bright and a lot of them have come from the academy so everyone could relate to that but I think with Bellerin again he was someone from the academy and he's been here for a long time is someone we know someone we relate with someone we've 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 got to like and to see him go it will be sad but I think he'll always be an Arsenal player at heart because I think mm. when wherever he goes he will always have us in in his heart I mean he, he I think he spoke last year about how he 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 was playing with Arsenal on FIFA or something and um, he didn't know much about Arsenal but he said oh I I, I knew instantly that I had to hate Tottenham and it's just like if you're no, not I an Arsenal it. yeah if you're not an Arsenal man you wouldn't say stuff like that so he, he he gets it and it will be sad to see him leaving in the summer which I, I think will happen but he's been a great servant I think it's three FA Cups he's won with us so mm. we, we, we which is pretty good and I hope Arsenal fans do remember him fondly rather than how most Arsenal fans think of him now yeah no I think I think they will I, I think everyone will look back on for memories because they really like him he's a likable guy like you say and even even adopt the accent didn't he he's like yeah he's, he's he was like you know he's I think there's a good one in last cast they always quote him saying this is how I've been throwing all my life <laughs> you know, he was over that period of just getting like foul throw after foul throw but um no I, I I wish him the best though and I hope he gets a good transfer and I hope we get a lot of money out of it which I'm not sure we will but um okay so Obviously, we go to the uh, position now where we say uh, man of the match and deck of the day. Who's your who's your man of the match, mate? So I, I, I was tempted to between two players and it was either Emil Smith-Rowe or Burt Leno. I think I'm going to go Emil Smith-Rowe just because I think whenever we did go forward, I think he was the one that was driving us forward. I mean, there was that run where he nutmegs Thiago Silva and we, we, which was lovely and obviously the the goal was crucial for us he was in the right spot at the right time I, f- I think he he's just been wonderful for us all season and I think he, he I mean what would have been if he was fit at the start of the season where would we have been if he was in the team in this system all, all season we, we probably would have been better so uh, I thought we had a really good mature performance against Chelsea. I mean, this this is Chelsea side that's one of the better sides in the league. And for him to produce the performance he did at the age he is, at the lack of Premier League football he has had, is pretty exceptional. And it's just so exciting to see him develop like that going forward. So he he was my man of the match. And I'm, I'm just so impressed with where he's going from here. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree. I mean, I it's really weird coming out of a defensive game like that. You've had such little possession. Um, not giving it to someone like Leno or actually any of the back three, um, you know, everyone played pretty well. And I thought, you know, everyone got their blocks in and positionally they were pretty good by and large. And I thought Marie and Gabrielle in particular were, you know, clearing balls left, right and centre. But there was something about Emil Smith-Rowe and obviously he got his goal, but the energy that he had to stretch them when we needed to and the intelligence I think he showed for, again, someone so young was pretty good. So, um, yeah, definitely. Um, what about your dick of the day? So my, my dick of the day is probably Thomas Tuchel, just because <laughs> I think his his press conference afterwards was hilarious. I mean, he said that only one team deserved to win the game and it was Chelsea. Arsenal didn't deserve to win the game. And it, it's pretty hilarious because, I mean, the amount of times that we've gone to the bridge and probably deserve to win and haven't, it's quite funny for it to happen to them. So for him to be sour like that, it, it, it just made the win even sweeter because I think a lot of people were, were saying that it was a bit of a lucky win, but if, mm. if it's a lucky win and you get the other manager crying, you know, you've done a good job. That's so true. Yeah. I mean, I kind of took a similar, well, there was a couple of ones. Like, so uh, my deck of the day was oh, there's a few. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't really give this to anyone because it's not really a, person or a thing but it was a few people that and i don't usually would like encourage anyone giving dick of the day to a team not your own team but there were so many times where 
Kieran Tierney was just bombing it down the left and you, he'd been injured for so long and he just <laughs> absolutely busting a gut. And then either the pass wouldn't hit him or they would just ignore him after he just bombed the whole pitch. And he literally, the camera going on him, he was like, for God's sake, guys. So, but I don't really know who you give that to. So I don't, I'm not really going to give that. And then I was thinking Jorginho, but that might be too easy. But do you know what? I mean, I know this isn't really to do with the game, but Ben Chilwell, I just like, oh, just... <laughs> The the oh, it just felt so good. Um, you know, when 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 he scored in the last minute and it was taken away from him, it was against Leicester, who's everybody's second favourite club at the moment. And the, oh, it just it just felt too good not to. So Ben Chilwell, mate, you're getting my ticket today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just hilarious how because he was obviously getting booed and he was getting pelted, so it probably felt quite good for him to score that goal and mm. you could see it in his celebration but and all the Chelsea players absolutely loved it for it to be taken away was just I I think Leicester fans should print that picture of him celebrating with Giroud onto their walls for the rest of the time because that, that yeah uh, I mean it's just beautiful and uh, I, I laugh so much and just seeing him and the rest of the Chelsea fans look really really sad made me really really happy Oh, it was just absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect. Things you love to see. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, let, let's. Uh, loads of people have uh, got in touch uh, and left some questions. So, should we go through some questions? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. We would do a break um, and start again, but uh, nobody's paid us for, for an advert yet. So, you know, we're just going to crack on. Um, <laughs> um, all righty. So, uh, let's, let's keep on the. Um, uh, let's keep on the Chelsea theme. Um, Tanya Fozard, aha, second time we read her out today, says, would you take Abraham at Arsenal? Yes, I would. I like Tammy Abraham. I think he's a really good striker. I think he's as good with the backers to goal as someone like Lacazette, but he's a bit faster than Lacazette as well. I think he's got a lot of traits that, is needed in a modern striker. I think he would fit our system really well, I, I, especially when Aubameyang ages out and he can't play as much minutes as as some of the other players that we have. I would like him, but I, I, I think the amount of money it would take to get him out of mm. Chelsea, and I worry about signing another player from Chelsea because obviously yeah. the amount of history we've had. I, I know Louise actually turned out to be pretty decent for us, Um but I think most of the time we've signed someone from Chelsea, it just hasn't worked. I mean, Galas, you got Czech, mm. and these are players that just haven't worked out. I think the best one was Ben Ayun on loan. And, oh, I my mean, God, yeah, Yossi. Yeah, Yossi and getting us top four in um, that, that season. And, yeah, I, I, I don't think it will happen, but if, if it was offered to us, I would say, yeah, let's go for it. Because we, we do need a striker because Lacazette's on his last year of his deal. There's question marks if he's going to stay or not. So it, it would make sense. And obviously he's a homegrown player as well. So that would mm. increase our homegrown quota as well, especially if we're going to lose someone like Nketiah. So we do need to increase that. Fair. No, actually, I, I've... I've... I've been looking at him before and I thought of very similar things. And I actually came to the opposite conclusion. I was a bit like, like, yes, those qualities exist within him. And he's very good at times with back to goal. And he's quite tall, he's strong, he's quick, he's quite leggy. So he tends to be, you know, get round players and get to a foot to a ball and he, other players might not. But I I don't know. There is He's a touch of Giroud. I don't want to say Lukaku because he's obviously now smashing it, but Giroud, Lukaku, um, other players who did similar things. I can't think off the top of my head, but players who like have a very good knack at scoring difficult ones. Um, and again, this is Premier League at Man United, Lukaku, not like uh, <laughs> not, not the Inter Milan smashing it. And but he just seems to like always have more misses than goals in him. And even if yeah. he might score quite a few. I don't think I'd trust him. And I, I've, I've honestly thought that he, I think, I think he's a bit overrated if, if, if I'm honest. And look, I don't watch every Chelsea game. Um, but I just seem to get the impression that I don't think he's ever going to be or doesn't have it in him to be a top, top, top striker. And if we're going to go for what would be, like you say, a very expensive striker, I think that money's the best place elsewhere. Um, 
But and, and like you say, I just can't be bothered to have another Chelsea player in the team that doesn't <laughs> succeed. I think we've learned that lesson. And on that note, Louise and Willian look like they're set to leave. Well, one one of them is much, much better than the other if they're going to leave. So, I, I yeah. mean, the, the Louis, Louise leaving is obviously a really sad situation because I think he's really respected in the squad. I think a lot of players like him. I think Mikko Arteta really loves him as a player. I, I think it's the right move to let him go because I just think at this point we should be building for a different centre-back. I think it allows us to bring in or bring back, if if you will, with William Saliba, bring him into the defence. I know it leaves us a bit light in terms of the only right centre-backs we have are Rob Holding, Callum Chambers and William Saliba. So it's not really that experience, but mm. I think at this point we've already seen what an experienced defender can do and they don't really improve us that much. Let's just take a a pun on a, a kid who's done really well at St Etienne, who's done really well at Nice on loan, someone we've invested a lot of money into. And it would be a real shame if Louise left and we just brought in another centre-back rather than use Saliba, someone who we mm. have, and someone who we probably would be looking at anyway if he wasn't at Arsenal. So I'm gutted about Louise leaving, but I think it's the the right thing to do at the right time. I think a lot of the time we wait too long and then we're just wanting them to go. And I think it's the right time with Louise. As for Willian, I mean, there's not much to say. It's just been a a complete disaster. I think a lot of fans were a bit sceptical when he joined. And uh, I thought fans got on board with it. I think fans wanted the best. They always want the best from a sign in and they always want the best of the team, but I just don't think it's worked and we've persisted with him for too long. I think if he can leave this summer, it would be an absolute bonus for us because I was convinced he was going to stay here for the whole three years. So if he can only leave after one year, then we could just say, thank you. It didn't work, but, but yeah, I mean, yeah. So firstly, I don't know who the hell's going to buy him, but it turns out this might be someone from the NLS, but I don't know what they've been watching this season, but I mean, the guy doesn't <laughs> run in behind. Like, I mean, yeah. we've spoken about Williams at the end of the hill. But go on, what were you going to say? No, uh, maybe they only watched that one free kick against West Brom and yeah. were convinced. Suddenly they were like, right, that's it. We're buying this guy. He can bang him in from anywhere. And we'll just stick that highlight reel with loads of Chelsea ones and we'll send it to like, I don't know, David Beckham into Miami. And we go, there you go, mate. Yeah, go on. He's only, <laughs> what, 200 grand a week. Bargain. Bargain for the kind of player you're getting. Um, so that's, that is a steal. Um, actually, somebody actually wrote in saying, I underscore Sadarth Patak said, um, uh, how incredible is the Willian leaving news? And uh, yeah, it's completely agree. But uh, on, on, on Louise, uh, yeah, it's it's a difficult one because, and I've been trying to sort of wrap my brains to this because I did feel a bit sad about it, but it does feel like the right thing to do. And the issue with having David Louise um, is that we rely on him for our attacking play so much that we pay for that by sort of having those defensive errors happen once every five, once every 10 games that are so calamitous, they cost us points. And when that, we noticed that when he he left the squad for a bit through injury and, you know, for the last 10, 15 games or whatever it may be, I know he came back for a couple, but um, it seemed like we really missed him. Like we really missed him. Um, you know, there was a way that he can pass the ball. Like none of our center backs can. And, um, However, having to rely, and I kind of feel similarly about Xhaka, um, but having to rely on those kind of players feels dangerous if we want to be back in the top six, top four, having to rely on players like that. Now, I'm a big fan of Xhaka. I think he should stay, and I hope he does, because he's quite crucial to the way we play. But again, it's one of those things that I think you do have to accept that by having those players, uh, you, you do pay for it every now and then. And Maybe if we need to go forward, those are the kind of players that we do need to churn out. And Louise leaving is a good step of that. And bringing Saliba in, who is really good at bringing the ball forward, that's no, he's been you know very widely reported that he's very good at. But uh, I, you know, I don't know too much about his long ball passing and things. But hopefully, he can be a bit of a key. And I know he's had a very good season at Nice, so I'm really excited about having him. Yeah, I I, I think it's the right time to bring him in. I, I, I'm obviously not sure how. Arteta rates him and what Arteta wants to do with him because obviously 
he didn't use him at all when, when he was here for six months. I know the plan was to send him on loan in the summer and it didn't work mm. out. But I mean, there were opportunities for him to have minutes and he wasn't registered in the Europa League squad. It would have been better for him to have minutes in that competition rather than have none, which we gave him. I think he was on the bench once the whole season mm. and it was just a waste for him to play under 23s. So hopefully we've learned a lesson there. Hopefully with Louise leaving, we just think, well, we've got this kid. He's had a really good six months at Nice. He had a really good spell at St. Etienne. He's going to cost us points because that's what young centre-backs do. But he his potential might be so much better than any other centre-back we got. And it might be worth it. He, 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 I mean, his teammate Fofana done brilliant for Leicester. I thought he was exceptional in the yeah. FA Cup final yesterday. I thought he was really, really good. And the only way that he's going to get better is if you play him. So I think it is time. We're obviously on this rebuilding path now. And you have a player here who can be in your defence for a good five to six years. So use him and yeah. get him to bed into the team and we would be better for it. If it doesn't work, then fair enough. You can buy someone else in the in the long run, but you'd be able to sell him for money rather than buying in another 30-year-old centre-back who comes in and maybe is good sometimes, but is maybe not as good, doesn't have that high ceiling anymore, and then we just get rid of him for nothing. It's just a waste of money that way. Yeah, see if someone like Mustafi's come in and he had quite a high rating, we paid a lot of money, like £35 million for him. He goes yeah. on free and all that sort of stuff. And it just makes so much sense to me that someone so highly rated comes in and does a job for us. And you know what? Michael Arteta has been really happy to rotate centre-backs quite a lot this season. So there's no reason why he couldn't take at least like half of those minutes and, you know, a third of those minutes next season, whatever it may be to build him up to Premier League level. Let's just do it because, you know, he's he is, you know, so highly rated. So and he must have been watching for Fana yesterday, thinking, oh, it could have been could have been us at some point. And the comparison is really interesting between those two. Yeah. Um and and sort of leaves us a little bit, I think, embarrassed with the way we've we've treated him, particularly when he didn't get on loan in, in the first bit. But um which kind of takes us on semi semi smoothly to the to the next question. Um we'll make this our last one. Um so this is from Arian.17. It says, can we scrape the conference, i.e. conference, Europa conference, whatever it's called, um, and would you prefer that or eighth? Um, and the reason why I thought that would segue onto us very well is that, you know, what we could do with that conference league and whether or not we could play the likes of Saliba and all the young players. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I would rather be in the competition than not, just because I think... <laughs> It's, it's the opportunity for a trophy. I think Arsenal have not won uh, enough European trophies in their history. I think it's, what, two they've won? And they haven't won one in 26 years. So it, it's been a long time coming. And with, when you consider the amount of times we've been in Europe over the years, it, it is pretty poor how we haven't won at least one. I mean, we've been in the final plenty enough, but never managed to get over the line. So it, I understand why people don't want to be in it because the Thursday-Sunday schedule is a bit taxing, but I think it would be great development for these young players. It would allow us to see Balogun, Aziz, Saliba in, in a competition where they can be surrounded with experience as well. So if Saliba lines up in these games with... Pablo Mari or Gabriel at centre-back, see how they do, and then mm. maybe Saliba can get minutes in the Premier League. Or if Balogun scores a few goals after starts, maybe he'll get minutes in the Premier League. And it, this is what you want, because it, it will save the club money in, in the long run if these players come out really good and we, we don't have to buy him. I mean, if, if Miguel Aziz comes into the side and proves he's a really good squad player, then that saves us money for buying a central midfielder in the long run. So I understand why people don't want to be in it. I, I think whatever way we, we finish, so if we finish eighth, I think it's encouraging because it allows us to have a whole rest uh, each week focus solely on the Premier League but the only reason why I would be happy with that is if we manage to finish top four next season so yeah. be because if we finish eighth 
have no Europe next season and then still finish sixth, then that season out of Europe was not really worth it. I know we would be in the Europa League, but mm. the only way I would see it is if we have a huge jump to make it worth it. Whereas if we're in the Conference League and we do well in that, maybe win it, and then we finish in the top six and you, you see it's a bit of more of a progress in the season. So I, I, I think people have turned their nose up because it is a bit embarrassing like we were expecting top six at least this season and we're going to finish in this Europa Conference League place well if if we get it but I, I think at this point I'd rather be in Europe than not be in Europe yeah yeah I I, I, I completely agree like even if you have to and I think it it would almost be I'd almost be happy to do it this way so just send the kids in maybe don't even send Mikel in. Maybe I think it was a good suggestion I read somewhere about just sending Steve Bold. And yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, I mean, just to, so that way you kind of get the best of both worlds. You can keep your premier league, you know, 11 to 15, something like that fresh and ready to go. And just, you know, the kind of teams that we're going to be playing at the, you know, the second rate of the second rate. And, um, uh, I, at least for the most of the majority of, 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 you know, and up until like March where we get to the semis or whatever it might be. And it's another way into Europa League. And, you know, we've seen this season that we can't bank on, on doing it in the Premier League. So look, if it's another way into Europa, I have no problem with it. Um, as long as we manage it correctly, you know, and, I, and like, I think you kind of covered everything there really. So I'm looking at the league now. We're ninth. Uh, everybody's played 36 games, which is quite nice really because it tidies it up it's been quite confusing for a while <laughs> we've got Everton and West Ham and Tottenham above us up in sixth Tottenham are in sixth because they, they've beaten Wolves which really annoyed me and they've got Ben yeah. Villa next I think um, and then they've got Leicester on the last day of the season yeah so they've got a tough run in and what we need we've got Palace and Brighton all we need to do is get them to lose both their games and us to win both our games, um, which sounds easy, but uh, obviously isn't. Um, so do you think, oh, I just, to be honest, mate, I just want to finish above Spurs. Conference League, yeah. brilliant. I mean, do you know what? I think if we win both our last games, I think we'll, we will get the Conference League and fine. Perhaps even Europa, but I doubt it. Um, I would take that all day long. In fact, actually... I'm just trying to think. So now that Leicester have won the FA Cup, seventh place gets Europa. No, so it's, it, Is that not it? get no, so because Leicester are in the top four anyway, mm. the, their spot, I think it doesn't really matter because I think the league, whoever won the League Cup would get the Europa Conference League spot. So and because it was Man City who won it, and they're obviously the champions. So I think it's just it goes down to the lowest players uh, place so it's seventh so i think there has been some confusion about i think last year it would have been seventh would have been europa but because of this new conference league i think we've been unlucky with it okay got you okay well let's see how it goes then um okay all right well let's leave it there we're speaking for about an hour so i'm sure people have got better things to do and maybe they're (laughs) fed up with us as they are or me at least as they are uh fed up with arsenal this season so maybe an hour is enough but um (laughs) mate matt thanks so much for coming on really appreciate it it's been fun yeah thank you for having me on this it's been a really really good pleasure so thank you as again a quick one before we go then just because everyone should really listen to your podcast can can you believe it as in can you Can you share any insight onto how you came up with that name? Because it, it is genius. It is absolutely genius. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think there's any, any real incredible insight. I think I was just coming up with a name for, for a podcast. And I think I, I, I was just thinking of really iconic moments and commentaries that just play in my head all the time. And I was thinking like, Henri, Chance, Gull, and I thought maybe not, and uh, mm. or like um, like Gunner Galactico, yeah. about like those iconic commentary moments, or uh, and then the Carnu one, like uh, I, it's just so I- iconic. Like I mean, I, I think I was about four or five when that goal went in, and yeah, it's, it, but I've heard it so much in, in in my head that it's just so iconic, and people just know it, like. Can you believe it? It's just, it's just a really mm. good play on words, but also they know the player as well. If you're an Arsenal fan, everyone loves Carnu. So legend, it, yeah, nice. Well, that was uh, it's inspirational, mate. So um, 
Cool. And everyone can find you on that podcast and it's at AFC Met, I believe. Yeah. So um, at AFC Met on YouTube, you can find it there. But I post basically weekly on on there. Um, Every podcast, there'll be some more stuff in the summer. But it's also on iTunes if you just search Can You Believe It and Spotify as well. Nice one. Nice one, mate. Well, yeah, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, thanks to everyone else listening. And uh, we will see you next week after we've battered uh, uh, Crystal Palace. And then what day is Brighton, actually? I think Brighton's Sunday. Okay, Sunday. Nice. Classic. We're always on a Sunday these days. Um, (laughs) All righty. Well, enjoy your weeks, guys, and we'll see you soon.